0: My guest today is, uh, you got nominated for Emmys, right? Probably. A bunch of them, yeah. Yep. Uh, Did you see that response? Didn't win. Um, Ray wrote a bunch of books. I'm reading one of them currently. It's called Soul Bloom. Throw it on up there. Soul Boom, actually. Soul Boom. Called Soul Boom. And uh, like I said, and my guest today, Rain Wilson, ladies and gentlemen. America's Sweet Tart,
1: right? Um. I heard your introduction to Jim Jeffries because I was listening to a bunch of your podcasts. Yep. you were way more salutary to Jim Jeffries because than I, you were to me just now. I all here's you what I said. Glowed yeah, I, on him. No,
0: no, no. He's one of my top fifteen. Totally true. He, I could. You want the glower? Here we go. I don't need Jim Jeffries. No, but no, you don't. This that I don't, was a little bit phoned in. No, and I'm going to be frank because okay, I know how hard it is to find someone like you. Meaning, when Schur was casting, Mike Schur was casting um, Parks and Rec, after the, he was like, who can I get to play what ended up becoming Nick Offerman? And it was hard. And then when I saw Offerman, I was like, good. And I felt the same way about you. I was like, don't see people like you on screen often. You're a unique person and a unique actor and they were you were you were uh let me know when it's enough uh we're gonna be here all day um the you were a unique find and you were hugely additive and on a show like that you want to be excited when they cut to you when they cut to whoever and i my guess is the audience was always pleased to see your story and my enormous face
1: that was much better and i want to tell you a showbiz story can i, tell I love you a it. showbiz story
0: i love him. that's why i moved okay. out here so
1: <laughs> nick offerman and i always used to go out for the same roles we always we'd see and we'd see each other we'd come in we be like oh kind of yeah one of us is character getting yeah. actor with big head yep is uh okay how are you we would even do table reads together and um it was always just a pleasure seeing him he was such a kind and affable gentleman and when i got cast on the office i brought in nick offerman i'm like you gotta see nick offerman he's perfect for the show i brought in his headshot i told allison jones the casting director about him they brought him in they put him on the wall and they were like gotta find something for him and it kept not like working out for him to be on the office and then sure enough Yep. Pun intended. Sure enough, Michael. Sure enough, when they went to Parks and Rec and they had his big mug on the on the wall, or like this might this might yeah, work. Because I w- for him.
0: sure asked me, and I was like, I don't know, Jim Broadbent. <laughs> like that's how
1: deep I was. Yeah. I was Like I don't know. He's won an Oscar,
0: Broadbent. Yeah, he's great. no one knows who he is. but Right, but he's great in terms yeah. of what he was sort of talking about. Sure. Anyway, but you both you both hit it, and you both got the part, and you both syndicated. I hope you're happy
1: where I'm very happy. Couldn't be couldn't be more pleased.
0: Uh, I want to talk about your book real quick, which Soul Boom. Everyone knows that. And tell it's basically like a a bit of a spiritual guide or primer for yeah, spirituality or yeah. or some idea like you've traveled, you've studied all the as many religious tomes or as were available or you had time for and it's it's your conclusions maybe. That's
1: perfectly put.
0: It's a primer. I've
1: traveled and read a lot. These are my conclusions. Yeah, I've always had an interest in spirituality for a number of different reasons. We can get into it or not get into it as you as you prefer. And I, you know, I say I kind of have a secret inner Oprah, which I know is a weird thing for a, a kind of an odd looking character actor who's on a sitcom. This is not uh, normal territory, but it's something I've I've been fascinated by and studied a lot. And I really feel like. This book was necessary. It was necessary for me. I think that understanding that we are on a spiritual journey can be really beneficial and helpful to us individually. Mm -hmm. Like that helps me. That's the thing that religion
0: ruins, which is they make it a bunch of rules where in my my experience with spirituality is it makes life better, not because you can rely on a Jesus or any of that stuff. It makes your life better because it makes it less literal. Yeah. It just makes it less like you can't eat that meat. You have to eat that one. You have to kneel stand this day, that day. It just isn't that isn't anything. I I would push back on that a little bit.
1: I get it. I get where you're coming from. That's a very uh, I don't want to I don't want to insult yeah. you by saying that's a popular opinion, but I think for a lot of Gen X people, they're kind of like religion is bullshit. It's morality and rules. Yeah. I don't need that nonsense, but I do like to meditate or I do like to contemplate God and the transcendent mystery yeah. of the universe. And this helps fulfill me, it helps reduce my anxiety, it kind of makes my life a little bit richer. And that's all great and good. But I one of the things I I do delve into in the book, especially in the latter half as I've kind of like warmed up the readership a little bit, is have we lost something by culturally jettisoning religion the way that we have uh, over the last thirty years? I'm with
0: you. I I did a daily show piece one time about like Republicans especially need Jesus, Republicans, y'all need Jesus. Wow, they've stopped. They, that used to kind of be like a harness for them, mm-hmm. like well, we want to be Christian or whatever, and then they have they don't even pay at lip service anymore. Yeah, and it's and they it's a free for all in terms of their well, behavior. The, 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 Again, the,
1: the truth is when you dig into the numbers about just happiness and well being, people red state people in churches are happier. Yeah. They're happier. They're more well-balanced. Yeah. Um, community. Uh, they, and, and they have community because, and that's what it really is all about. You One could say like, well, we've jettisoned religion, but we haven't replaced it with anything. Some people have replaced it with yoga classes or 12-step yeah. meetings, which is great. And But maybe we need more Dungeons and Dragons clubs. More on that later. <laughs> or more- I hope a lot more. I have something to say I, about I Dungeons like and do. Dragons. Can, we
0: know. We know you do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot to say about it. But I do think that we've lost something culturally by having kind of a group of people that get together that believe in something bigger than themselves, that want to commune with each other, with nature, God, the creator, the creative impulse, and do service for others and altruism and sing together and potluck together. like. There's something beautiful and strong and purposeful about that, that we've all kind of been like, yeah, screw that. We've thrown the, as I say, the spiritual baby out with the religious bathwater in some, in some ways. And obviously religion has been the cause of, look what's happening in Gaza right now. Look at the amount of shame and hate and pain and war and death that's been caused by organized religion. So that has to be honored as well.
0: Yeah. I have a observation or theory, whatever you want to call it that religion it's the cause of all wars but it's also saved a lot of people from being punched in the face <laughs> seriously like just it's small it keeps like a small interaction from getting crazy or or even in i the idea of god is like super cop right and when there's no one around are you going to do the right thing because god's super cop's watching so I think that's not as I don't think that's the ballast to cause the war, but I think people are going to go to war. I think they're saying it's for God. I think it's mostly for real estate or just malice. Anyway, I, um, I think
1: that's well put. I, I call God in my book Sky Daddy. Yeah, I like that. Uh, similar, similar yeah. thing. So Santa Claus is the same yeah. thing. It's like keeping track of who's naughty yeah, and nice. Yeah, so
0: but my uh, my thinking, reading it is rain might be on a fool's errand. Okay. And I don't, I don't think it's not worth doing, but Tell my me. own, whenever people go like, when, when we go, I'm going to change that guy or I'm going to change, or I've done that with people where like, I think I can change yourself. You know what I mean? Like try, how, how easy it's change yourself. What, how much have you changed in life? 15%? Like what's the most you've seen someone change without almost dying? I will say I've changed a lot. Um, and I'm very pleased
1: with that because, but mostly because of twelve step recovery yeah.
0: and therapy. Yeah, either you either got to go to a meeting every yep. day, yeah, or you got to almost die. Um, and and yeah. that those are the two, but catalyst it, the two I, best catalysts for change. Of but represent. don't you
1: think that humanity? kind of like a 17-year-old on a kind of vodka and cocaine bender is about to hit bottom,
0: humanity itself. Yeah, but it, when it okay, I right. have- So you're saying don't even have the
1: conversation until humanity hits bottom? No,
0: I don't. I think the only thing, there are times from, you know, my well-covered uh, ayahuasca and DMT stuff where I imagine a form of a rapture and then i imagine people shift in consciousness around that it's so massive i can't i can't talk i i can tell them like hey you might wanna i i it's you're in a tough position cuz you don't want to not do anything
1: yeah but but i but i believe that i grew up in the 70s when people talked about world peace and people believed that world peace was possible beauty contestants would say world peace world peace yes. but you'd also have Carl Sagan talking yes. about world peace and Nobel laureates talking about world peace and Nelson Mandela talking about world yes. peace. And there's part of me that's still grounded back in that day. I and I'm showing sure totally, my age. Yeah. And 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 I this soul boom, I wanted to just be, you know, if it, if it, if it helps a couple of people think about like, oh, I might be able to make my life better with some spirituality in it, and I might be able to use some of these tools. To help my community be a little bit better? So be it, even if that's a couple hundred people. Is it a fool's errand? Absolutely it is. But at the same time, I just feel like you got to do what you got to yeah, do. Yeah, you got to. I mean, that's i what mean, I'm, saying, I'm working like, in climate change too. That's kind of a lost cause. We're not going to change. We're really not going to significantly change until tens of millions of people are dying from extreme yeah. weather events. And it's very clear that it comes from climate stuff and the world gets together including like China, who has made revolutionary uh, progress in China. And then they're building coal plants all over Africa. Yeah. So it's like,
0: no, that's not how it works. No, I agree. It's, it's one
1: th- world atmosphere that we all share.
0: You're trying to, I think what you're trying to overcome is greed. Yeah. In all these things. Meaning nature. I think when you say world peace. Yeah. And then you go, well, what happened to those people? I think they had kids. And then they, once you have kids, they're like, I fucking need money. <laughs> and how am i going to get the money that i've seen it countless times all right let's get into some blocks number 1 anxiety yeah how many times have has that been on your show so far several but yeah. you know yeah why 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 is your anxiety and and what's it like to have it well we were talking about this the other day uh before actually before we enter the, i think i'd like to speak about the montreal just for Laughs Festival this year. Okay. Tell them the joke that you did about me. Oh, I had a good one. At the, yeah, he had a good one. Go ahead. I can I, I it could was, look to it see was, if
1: I have it written down somewhere.
0: It was Neil Brennan. Um, he, he gave a speech about sort of like the state of the.
1: State of the world of comedy and like what you need to go through. The sacrifices that the great comedians have gone through in order to reach the top. Uh What I've learned from them. And in Neil Brennan's case, it was like, become friends with Dave Chappelle when you're a teenager.
0: Fantastic. Which I was like, okay. Then the next day I was, there was a award ceremony for, for a bunch of people. Bert Kreisch was one of them. And I gave Bert a nice intro and then, oh, it was funny, but it was, it was whatever. It was good. And then, and then Bert was on stage receiving the award and he was crying uh, and we're all I'm it's me and Bert are on stage and um, Bert's crying and it's like he goes, you know, I'm not like the the best look. I'm not the funniest guy in comedy to which rain yells out from the crowd. You're not the funniest person on that stage. <laughs> Crushes kills what it. A, what? A, 30, kills it. 40 second left. Yeah. Um. So that's I just wanted to I could play with the big boys, make a pit stop and give him his flowers for for Thank you. Now I'm feeling slam, now, he, now we're you, getting there. You slap me and then you nurse me back to hell. Now now we're getting <laughs> yeah, yeah. there with the okay. uh,
1: the Jim Jeffries yes. Okay. Yes. So the ang-
0: so the anxiety is uh it, from when and what's it like? So um anxiety
1: uh, has been with me my whole life where when it really started to show up was when I was about 23, 24 I started having Panic attacks and anxiety attacks. Where? Uh, I was living in New York. I was living in Brooklyn. I was unemployed. I was just out of acting school. um, And they were, they would crush me. They would come out of nowhere for no, mostly for no reason, sometimes for a reason. How did you figure out what the reasons were? One of the reasons, one of the triggers was on, you know, when you're taking New York subways and it's just, you're like, and it just stops. Yeah. And it just goes off and it just goes, Yeah, and it's just like deathly quiet, I would start to get a panic attack. Like we're going to die. I'm going to get crushed. The East River, which is above my head, is going to fall down. And sweat would start pouring down my forehead. My heart would just start pounding. Uh, My muscles would start start flexing and I couldn't catch my breath and I was certain I was going to pass out. Fortunately, at that point, I had had many of these, dozens of these. The first couple of ones, I was on the verge of calling an ambulance i think once i did call an ambulance and then canceled it um because i thought i was having a heart attack you're on
0: the street at this point you're not in the subway
1: uh yeah that was just at home and sometimes they would just happen for no reason like watching tv reading a magazine and all of a sudden this panic attack would come on and i would feel like i'm gonna die
0: so shortness of breath tunnel vision yeah throat tight palpitation sweating and i was
1: in i had just started therapy And, you know, got diagnosed kind of with an anxiety disorder. And then it's been 20, 30 years of unpacking. Like, you know, my mom took off when I was a year and a half old. My parent, my dad got instantly remarried in a really unhappy and some would say kind of abusive home situation. And anytime you have kind of like a... A an abandoned kid living in kind of a rage filled, loveless home. That's a recipe for anxiety, you know, yeah. because you don't know, you don't have a permanency. Like, oh shoot, what's going to happen next? Yeah, the and foundation
0: is foundation is barely is, there. Is,
1: so, the the panic attacks went away, but I've been dealing with uh, and a lot of like stuff around which I've talked a lot about. I don't really want to get into too much about you know, drug and alcohol abuse, but I'm, I'm poly addicted and anything is porn. I had a gambling phase, you name it. Um, uh, whatever I can do to try and medicate that anxiety. I I realized that that was a source of the addiction stuff too. So nowadays I've, I liken myself as someone that has, um, uh, diabetes where you've got to like, take your blood pressure and your blood sugar, and you've got to monitor and go into the doctor every once in a while. And, it's just, it's something I can live with and something I can even thrive with, but I've got to be very, very careful about it because it can take the reins and, and also it can kind of make me a dick. And there was many years where my, I would let my anxiety run the show, especially around workaholism, which is an addiction that not a lot of people talk about, you know, the my, const- well, it's like
0: the good one. You, you mean you yeah. love to grind? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love to grind too much. I remember back when I used to read
1: Vanity Fair, they would always have in the back like some titan billionaire. Yeah. And it would be like, and he's got four divorces and he never sees his kids. Yeah. But he's made all this money and started all these businesses and he works 87 hours a week. And he's like, oh, we're supposed to look up to, this is a titan of industry. You know, a job creator. again,
0: that's not even Vanity Fair or it's all of American culture. Now it's every podcast. Yeah. How are you going to grind? Yeah. Yeah, you need to drink juice and fucking cold sauna or cold plunge, and then you'll you're gonna be a star. Here's how you build your audience. Yeah. And,
1: and whatnot. So, but anxiety feeds into that, like approval, show business, you know, um, wanting acceptance and uh, uh, people pleasing. It's all connected, kind of like anxiety drives Do feel, all that stuff.
0: So, you grew up in the Baha'i faith. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I lived in Wilmette, Illinois, where there's a oh, the high did. temple. Yeah. Did um, you go to New Trier High School? I would have. We moved. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, because
1: I went there for a couple of years to New Trier. Did you really? Yeah, because my parents moved over to the North Shore of Chicago yeah, to uh there you yeah.
0: Go. Um yeah. but uh did you ever
1: go in the temple there?
0: Yeah. About as beautiful a structure as yeah. I've ever been in. Gorgeous. When did they make it? How much did it cost?
1: They laid the foundation for it in 1912, started building it in the 30s and 40s, and it wasn't finished until the 50s.
0: Part of your, I know that you had a loss of faith before you came back in the past decade or two, and your parents were devout. Yeah. Did you sort of, I always see Catholicism, I grew up Catholic as the, it's like introduction to hypocrisy. (laughs) (laughs) Like here, you want to know what hypocrisy is? Here, how everyone here lives versus what they- Yeah claim to be. Yeah. Did were you was that part of your uh loss of faith? That's hysterical.
1: That's really well put and yeah, 100% that wasn't all of it, but one of the things that was so weird was Bahais are all about love and unity and peace, right? Like most world's religions are. So we would go to all these Baha'i meetings. We would sing like Kumbaya, Baha'i songs, like pray, meditate together, read holy writings of the world's religions because Baha'is accept and believe in all of the world's faiths. And we talk about love and bringing people together, healing racial uh, uh, prejudice. You know, it's all about like healing the world, using spiritual tools to heal the world, which I'm very much into. And then we'd come home and my parents wouldn't talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And they certainly weren't, having sex and they certainly they weren't loving and they would fight and there would be broken dishes and doors slammed and yelling and you know i remember many times we would have a baha'i gathering at our house but they'd be in the middle of some fight and like people would be coming in the door and she would like slam and break dishes in the sink walk my stepmom walk through the living room slam the bedroom door bam. And my dad would go, okay, so does anyone want any tea? And you're nine years old. You're like, what the
0: fuck? Yeah, what system is this?
1: What the hell is going on here? And then you start to see, because at any religion, you're gonna see hypocrisy because people are assholes and we're trying to be better people, but oftentimes the asshole wins out. And then when you get into the Holden Caulfield stage, as I did, in around 20, 21 years old, I'm like, fuck this. I don't want to be yeah. a part of this bullshit. And I don't want God and morality and the rules and and all this hypocrisy that I see around me. Uh, I don't want to
0: be a part of that. Well, here comes the anxiety. Uh, and how did you figure the anxiety thing out? Or is it just accepting that it's diabetes the, thing that you're going to have to keep your eye on at least, if so, not treat? So mental health,
1: <laughs> we talked about this the other day, but the whole conversation about mental health is getting a little played out yeah it's super important to have but i also feel a little sheepish even talking about it because everyone is talking about their mental health struggles which maybe is a good thing and i think it it, it can be a good yeah
0: thing. it's like it's the hacky things can be correct yeah meaning wayne's world one of the greatest movies ever made yeah but people started saying swing and not and all that shit so which was aggravating yeah. That's what she said in your case. And Hallmark cards, five out of six times, they're pretty right on the money yeah. too. Yeah. They just, it's, they're too on the money. <laughs> they're too on the money. That's the problem is Wayne's World's <laughs> too funny. <laughs> That's
1: a great analogy. Uh, so in the 90s, when I was having these anxiety attacks, I was had a lot of other issues going on. Uh, I didn't know what to do. Uh, I didn't have any money. Therapy was not really an option. I went to therapy when I was at NYU, and then it was too much money after that. And um, so I did the only thing I knew how to do, which was to look at a possible spiritual path. Because I thought, oh, I've jettisoned the Baha'i faith, and I'm not having anything to do with God. Maybe there's a spiritual way for me to rectify all this imbalance that's going on in my life. So I really studied a lot of the world's religions and read foundational texts from hinduism and buddhism and, and and the bible and many other different religious faiths because i was searching for some. i was being selfish really it's it so funny when it you... wasn't like i was like
0: gandhi i'm going to heal the world it was no. like yeah. i
1: feel shitty how do i make myself not feel
0: shitty I Had the same exact experience let me look through these texts self-interest is a fine motivation <laughs> it it's a fine motivation yeah. i'm my girlfriend now i'm like i'm not doing this for good, this is all totally m- motivated by my own need and desire to feel good. This is not How an act of generosity. Blocks,
1: but the blocks podcast and and special helped a lot of people, and you're you're interviewing top celebrities and B-list celebrities. Hello, about their greatest and deepest vulnerabilities. That's pretty damn helpful to the
0: world. Uh, it is. I like having the conversation. Okay. That's it. That's basically it. Okay. I like I, there are conversations I would not have with people that I like having. Maybe I'm just nosy. Have you ever been altruistic? Have you ever extended yeah. yourself and made
1: sacrifice for the good of someone else that didn't benefit you? Yeah, I
0: was in the Big Brothers program for a year or two. Like I've done plenty of stuff like that. A year or two, really? Yeah.
1: Could you have done three or four years?
0: Really? I could have. Sure, could have. But you could have walked here. <laughs> you drove <laughs> um how into the environment are you um so i i i'm i say that to say self-interest is a fine it's, it's like a most motivator. people get into showbiz is for the girls i
1: went on a, uh um the the author of the artist's way julia mm-hmm. cameron once said uh i came to spirituality out of necessity not out of virtue yep And that's how it worked for me. I was miserable. My life was falling apart. So I started doing a deep dive into spiritual tools that would help me feel better. And lo and behold, they did. So that's part of why I wrote Soul Boom, to share some of those. But then as I started really thinking about spirituality on a greater level, I do feel that there are spiritual tools that we as a species, as a community, as as contemporary American culture could
0: put to good use to make our lives better, Communal. totally agree you ever just like pay your bill without really looking at it like your credit card bills and then you every once in a while you'll actually look at what you're getting charged for and you can't believe some of the dumb stuff you're getting recurring charges for like memberships of places or from apps or whatever uh, so i use rocket money to help me find out what subscriptions i'm actually spending money on and it was shocking it was galling to say the least and So with the app, you tell them which ones you no longer want, and uh, they cancel it for you. You understand me? They cancel it for you. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service again. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, It monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users, and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to Rocket Money, R O C K E T M O N E Y dot com slash N E A L. That's rocketmoney.com. dot com slash Neil. Rocketmoney dot com slash Neil. Highly recommend.
1: Part two of anxiety. I just want to say there's a new chapter of anxiety. I am now getting senior citizen anxiety. Say more. So for instance, little things will be broken at my house and I will unceasingly worry about them. You know how when you're with a senior citizen or a relative and they're like, yeah, I'm just worried that Marcy didn't get my message and she's not gonna know that the it's no longer a potluck, but that we're serving dinner and you're talking to your 87-year-old aunt yeah. or whatever. And they're just so wrapped up in the and you're like hey hey it's going to be fine marcy's going to be fine well so even if she brings something we'll eat it it's good yeah. yeah okay and then it's gone and then 15 minutes later but do you think we could just call her again yeah. and like that kind of worry i find myself slipping into my anxiety has kind of morphed and gone to the next level where i'm worrying about ridiculous bullshit like the remote control to my gate on my driveway not working and i'll and i'll be obsessing over it
0: is it a, because my two thoughts are, you're worried about things breaking down because you're breaking down Ooh. and, or I need to settle this with Marcy before I die. So you're
1: saying there's might be some kind of like shadow underbelly. I don't think, the, I mean, worry. if you,
0: if you say it's, it's senior citizen worry. Yeah. What else could it be?
1: But you've experienced that with seniors before, right? You've Absolutely. Seen the, yeah. So. Yeah, Maybe. Maybe it, it's some unprocessed
0: thing that needs to get worked or out. Or it's processed and nobody wants to die. You know what I mean? Like, you can process death all you want. I really, yeah. I mean, they'd say, like, there's a mushroom studies, psilocybin, where people, uh, cancer patients, it eases their fear of death. Hmm. Cool. It, but they didn't say it eradicates it. <laughs> eases it. Yeah. Yeah. And they have more or less a death sentence and it's still like, instead of like fuck it's like okay but fuck. who wants
1: to stay alive forever i mean think about it do you want to be like if you're like optimally healthy at age 37 do you want to stay like 37 for a thousand years 10,000 years a hundred thousand years
0: it's a burden in hand yeah it's a burden in the hand, yeah, in the hand. and be, i think when people think about old age it's a lot of like all your friends die yeah culture changes i'm knowing a lost. lot more
1: people dying now and being in my 50s it's kind of crazy have, have you
0: Somebody referred to it as Sniper's Alley. Sniper's Alley. Steve, the great Steve Brill, the, one of the an avid listener and friend and great writer, Mighty Ducks, and wrote a directs a bunch of shit for like On my yeah. birthday, was like, "Welcome to Sniper's Alley." I was like, "What are you?" Da-? And then, and now he sends me when people die. When people like, die. Yeah, you're like, "All right, okay. man, I, I got I the I hear point. you. And then apparently, at sixty, it gets better. Fewer people die. I don't know. That's what he claims. And so, then, I, and then there's people I know are like, "Why aren't
1: they dead? <laughs> why, yeah. did, why did this guy die? Yeah.
0: And this person who eats cheeseburgers every day? I think some people are just durable. Yeah, I think they're just made. Yeah. Of, they're just made yeah. of durable materials. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, I'm with you on the on that anxiety thing, and I don't really know what to do about it. Other than, and I said this on your podcast. I'll get it from my content mail as well. Okay. Um, I was on MDMA and MDMA. I I just written my will, and MDMA said you're gonna. A voice told me I'm. You're gonna die soon. So now I've turned it into. Uh, unless I enjoy myself more, they're they're gonna kill me. I'm. I will die soon if I don't enjoy things. More often, and that, and there is some truth to that from
1: a health standpoint. Yeah, right? some,
0: but then there's also that we know plenty of very bitter, very old also, people. Also,
1: in your will, will you just leave me one pretty much worthless
0: random I'll leave thing? you a bauble. I'm going to leave you one of these lights. That's fine. Yeah, great. Yeah,
1: it Enjoy could be it. like a butter dish. Great, anything. If something great. like Neil Brennan got hit by a bus, uh, re- Neil Brennan's a lawyer. Hello? hello, hello, well,
0: hello, Neil Brennan's lawyer. <laughs> yeah, butter dish, LED uh, light. Sure. Yeah, okay. uh, there. I don't know if you remember when uh, the season of Sanford and Son when uh, Red Fox was on strike, so they did the show without him. And I don't know how many episodes they did, but they every the opening scene of every episode would be like, "Hello, Fred," what? <laughs> so goddamn funny. Um, so. Uh, so, okay. So, the, and again, this is a, a new anxiety and do you treat it the way you treat all your anxieties?
1: Yeah, you have to, first of all, it's really important. I believe I have come to understand that it's really important to embrace anxiety. Anxiety is our friend and it's been- well, how, why Anxiety is like, it's similar to addiction. It starts as a coping mechanism. So anxiety is there to protect you, right? Like you feel unsafe- your wiring is like, I feel unsafe and this thing is, is making me uh, disconsolate and discontent. Uh, I'm afraid of outcomes. And that's good. That's there to save our lives. Humanity has always had anxiety, right? There, there might be a bear in the forest. When I hear a, I hear a twig break, we're not going like, ah, oh, the glory of nature. We're like, fuck, there might yeah. be a bear that's gonna eat my face. So we're wired for anxiety and it's there to protect us. And you start by embracing it like, thank you, anxiety. You're a good friend. You breathe it in like, okay. Uh, and I fortunately have the knowledge like rain, you're, you're worried about the remote control in your gate. You're worrying about your broken sprinkler. You're obsessing over it. You have a diagnosed anxiety disorder, you know, bless it, give it away. You give it to God. You surrender your control over your your sprinkler or your remote or or whatever it is or the job you're not going to get or next month's rent or if your girlfriend's going to break up with you or not you surrender outcomes and you just enter into the process ever more deeply uh, into into a kind of a serenity and and connection to the universe that's that's how it what works. If it's, you
0: can use it as a stepping stone to get more grounded what if it's performance based because i get anxiety on at shows sometimes yeah and i'm it doesn't feel like it's my friend it if it's saying like no i know audiences are scary this you're not telling me anything i don't know yeah to me it doesn't feel friendly if it, if i can't breathe can barely see can't think straight and have no recollection that i've ever been good at comedy so
1: you brought up you brought up the the shadow stuff there's something unprocessed going on there Emotionally, with you around that, I used to have a terrifying, crippling, anxi- anxious fear around talk shows. I'm not kidding you, because talk shows, for those who don't know, are um, one of the strangest uh, setups imaginable. Like
0: it's you, a very unnatural. The whole thing's very unnatural. You're completely unnatural. You sit down next to someone. You have prepared no, you stories. Don't. You sit near someone. So you sit near someone kind of that's facing way an audience. behind you, and you're. Kind of at looking at the audience, but not really. And
1: there's either a 100 or a 1,000 people in an audience, depending on the talk show, and you have semi-prepared stories yeah. that you know he's going to ask you. He's going to give you the softball. So I understand you went on vacation to Hawaii yeah. recently. And something yes. crazy happened. And so you've, you've gone over the material, but you're like, fuck, I might screw it up. Yeah. And you want the audience to laugh and to like you, but it's all being captured on camera. And who cares if 370 people are watching you 370,000 people are going to be watching this. So do you play to the camera? Do you have yeah. the conversation with the guy or do you play to the audience? It's yeah. a very weird setup. I used to have in the middle of a live talk show on Leno, on Letterman, Conan, I would have those same anxiety attacks. My heart's beating. I'm starting to sweat. I feel like I'm going to pass out on the air Um, on, on the talk you,
0: show. So what did you do? How many of those did you have? Five and i worked on it the fir- was in therapy. a therapy was that appearance 1 through 5 or it was like one no it was 9 15 yeah it was 15. like
1: every other one yeah. exactly there was always high anxiety and stress but where it was like on the i felt yeah, like, like i was going to pass function. out yeah um, was about 5 times interspersed one part of the problem was I was drinking way too much caffeine at the time. So yeah. I, would, I would like pound a Diet Coke for energy right before the talk show. So there's something physiological going on there. But what I really unpacked it in therapy, uh, and I also do hypnosis, is um, I'm such a people pleaser. I want people to like me. I, want, I don't want them to like me. I want, th- I want them to fucking adore me, Neil. I want them to love me and think that I am the greatest, most brilliant, delightful human being on the planet. So if I've got that going on where there's this people pleasing, and it's for those 370 people, and it's for those 370,000 people, and it's for
0: one Leno yeah, or yeah. Conan
1: or, or whomever it was back in the day, they don't let me on the talk shows anymore. I've, I've, my, my Hollywood worth has sure deaccelerated. Um, uh, then I wanted everyone, I wanted to be adored so bad that of course my inner child is going to start freaking out because I'm not going to get it. So I had to unpack that part of my child, of my child shadow need stuff. And then I was able to release that. And now I can go on a talk show and
0: not have any issues. And how long did that take? 10 years. Every week? Pretty much.
1: Not really 10 years. That's a bit of an exaggeration. You know, two or three until I was functional. And then another... Three or four years after that, of like continuing to process that. There's
0: a great spiritual allegory here, which is by the time you're fully prepared to do something, they will no longer book you. Perfect. I couldn't
1: get on Kimmel or Colbert now. If, if, even if I had a movie coming out, they're like, oh, him? No. Yeah. A, it's very hierarchical though. Oh, I know. The world Trust of me. the talk show and cut like, to
0: a clip of me on Kimmel or Colbert. Nothing. <laughs> um, it
1: was funny because I went from, early on in the office I was the B guest so I was mm-hmm. the second guest they, right. they you know t- the first guest gets Deep. two segments yeah. the second guest yeah. gets one short segment yeah. sometimes they get bumped yeah. so I went from that and then graduated to the A then back down
0: to uh-huh. the B and now I can't even like get Well on. how do you deal with that as a person I mean as a real people pleaser that's yeah. a sign of you're not pleasing us
1: and it's gr- it's fine and I I really have uh, been I've been working hard on that you know. And it drove me crazy. If you would have talked to me seven years ago, I would I was literally like pulling my hair out like the office offices ended. I'm not getting shit. I should be in these other things. And I'm I'm rapidly fading from the cultural conversation. And it was it was difficult. It was it was a struggle for me
0: because I don't know anyone who who does this that isn't in that.
1: I said this to you the other day, like I could move to Montana and raise bees. Now I don't give a fuck. I really truly don't. That's not occasionally it'll twinge me that, you know, uh, the show I did didn't get picked up or the movie that I did didn't get into Sundance or I got rejected from this one thing that I was up for. Um, You know, and that hurts. It it stings, but it doesn't have a hold on me the way it
0: used to. The recovery time's shorter. Yeah.
1: And, I, you know, I, I feel like I've had a good run. You know, I did 10 years of theater. I did 20 years in in Hollywood. Now I'm doing a podcast, writing some books. I'll, I'll keep acting. I mean, I still have some
0: roles being offered me, but yeah. Was it just getting all that inner chatter in check kind of? It's been a long, slow process. It, it has to do with my
1: spiritual practice and meditation, with my belief in a higher power, um, trying to align my will with, the great creative force's will. What do you call God from your ayahuasca? The central
0: creation force.
1: I try and align my will with the central creation force um, as much as possible. My will, my will, Rain's will, is to be adored, feted, Mm -hmm. A-list movie star, roles handed to me, millions of dollars, sponsorship opportunities, ad campaigns, um, bestseller books, best buddies with Oprah, and with Greta Gerwig, And just (laughs) at, and being fed it everywhere I go, that's rain's will, right? But that's uh, just trying to feed that abandoned child that wants to be adored. And it took a lot of unpacking. What is the great central creative- Force. Force, because there's central kitchen. That's different. Central creation force. Central I give money to them.
0: Just FYI, you wanted to know what I do. Yeah. I give them money.
1: What is it called? World Central Kitchen? Yeah. It's a beautiful organization. Jose Andres. It's amazing what yep. they do. And they're feeding Palestinians now. What? Yeah. So I try and align my will with that. And that that keeps me much more uh healthy. And uh, I'm in a really good place on, Great. right now. Well yeah. Next I mean, month, who knows?
0: See, that's the thing with all this all the whenever I advocate for anything, I think advocacy makes it sound easy. You just go, no, you stop you stop uh driving a gas car. And then or you said, or I'm an environmentalist. Yeah, I fly private. The I almost feel like there has that has to be built into it. Like, here's what I aspire to, mm-hmm. and I can get there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if if you come from a place of like fame or cel- celebrity or success, and you just go, "No, you did it. This is what you do, dumb people." I think there has to be an element of like I aspire to this, yeah. but. So you're saying you aspire to humility uh, or- I aspire or, to detachment. The, the other, the the true, the central creation forces will and not.
1: So in Buddhism, the number one teaching is that life is suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, That really the word that was used was called dukkha, which is Sanskrit or Pali for anxious discontent. Mm-hmm. So life is anxious discontent. Wouldn't yeah. you kind of agree with that when you, uh, people? Yeah. Yeah, Neil. Anyone watching so this, yeah. centrally- uh, anxious discontent rules a lot of us, and the Buddha taught that there is a way out of suffering, which is non attachment and yeah. that's that 's the whole idea is that if we are not attached to outcomes and the things of this world, the kind of like status uh wealth um you know these things that that drive us and that we have a lot of fears. That we will actually find great peace. So this has partially been a therapeutic journey. It's partially been a twelve-step recovery journey, and it's partially a spiritual journey of non-attachment. I'm much less attached to the outcome of like whatever the hell Hollywood thinks happens to think of yeah. me. You know, whether Judd Apatow casts me in a movie or not is not going to affect my self-esteem at this point. But it's it's been a long it's been
0: a long road with Buddhism. Whenever I've approached it as something I could aspire to do. Um, I think when people think about Buddhism, they'd go, well, then I'm, I'm not. So you're saying if I don't, if I don't worry about status or money, I'm not going to have status or money. And I want it. I want it as an American. I want it as a person. Mm -hmm. I think people in tribes want to probably be like, I wish I was a little up higher up in the hierarchy. I'm not going to do anything, but I I aspire to that, right? I think with the thing that people don't understand about Buddhism is that you're gonna still want that. Yeah. You're gonna still want all the status and the hierarchy and the and the and the money and the fame and all that stuff. But at least if you have a Buddhist practice, you can release from it. Yes. And it's not twenty four hours a day. We all know you gotta make a living, but it gives you it's a valve for yourself it is another self-interest mechanism where yeah i get oh wait this is a way okay i just for i can be like oh i can be in the i can be closer to the central creation force and not so dogmatic about like money fame yeah success talent women
1: right men whatever and part of it is just physiology so at the core of our brain is the amygdala which is like i want to fuck I want to be protected from the elements. I want shelter. I want nice stuff for a number of reasons. One of the things nice stuff gives us, as you can see on Instagram, is it gives us increased status Mm -hmm. because we are social creatures. Mm -hmm. And even down in that base, fight, flight area of the brain is also like, I want to be beloved, right? Which is my issue. And uh, so when you can unpack that, those forces, the reactive forces like- no i want and it yeah. and it's anger and it's greed and it's lust and it's envy and all of that base stuff it's all down there and it it helps us as animals it's 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 saved us but then as you start moving into the prefrontal cortex prefrontal cortex you can start to kind of have an awareness of like oh i'm detached oh there's my lust oh okay healthy lust is a good thing you want yeah. desire you want to be desired and you want to desire your partner or whatever you know, healthy greed, I want to have a nice living. I want to support my family. I want to have some nice things. There's there's a healthy mechanism, but you can literally move that thought process from that, that base reactive animalistic part of the brain and start to bring it up into the prefrontal cortex. And that's where wisdom lives and abides. And that's where non-attachment is. So you're talking about having a healthy relationship to accruing things, having a nice career and supporting your family. Um, in a healthy way, but that there's a physiological and 12 steps does that. The addict brain is down there too. Like I want stuff. I want to drink. I want to use this drug. I want to jack off whatever it is. And um, as you go to a 12 step meeting and you share and you unpack and as you pray and you say the third step prayer and as you make phone calls and you journal and you do your steps, it starts to go up, 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 up. And your prefrontal cortex has a greater, awareness and an ability to unpack that addiction. Then when that addiction strikes, you're like, oh, hi addict. You're trying to grab me by the throat, but I see what you're doing. I love you. I make a phone call. I say a prayer. I meditate, whatever it is. And then that impulse lifts.
0: Buddhism or even Eckhart Tolle or any of these, it's the basic spiritual practice is you're just going to change... You're just turning the knobs yep, a little bit of your brain a little bit and you do it every day and it affects the overall ecosystem. Yeah. It gives another, a healthier ingredient yeah. to this, like what feels like a boiling scalding soup. And you just got, okay, here's a, we just turn, uh, right, huh. but it's, yeah.
1: But I, I, one thing that I think bears saying for this audience, cause I'm picturing the YouTube comments, like. You've got millions of dollars and you're you're adored and you were on the office and like, oh, you're in Hollywood preaching to us about happiness. Like and it's like, you know what? Unhappiness hits people that have been on sitcoms and have Netflix comedy specials and who drive trucks and who are school teachers. And it's that process is the same.
0: Well, yeah, but it's money
1: doesn't alleviate it. Yeah. Even though it is very nice to not have to worry about where next month's rent is gonna come from because I spent a good decade and a half in that yeah. state. So it beats the hell out of that. But, you know, unhappiness and anxiety affects us from from Elon Musk down to, you know, a construction worker.
0: It's like when when soldiers commit suicide, people are like, well, yeah, he should. But if a billionaire or millionaire commits suicide, they're like, what the fuck? It's like, guys, he there's no difference. Yeah. yeah, There's no real difference. I want to say something that we talked about on your podcast Where I was talking about spiritual practice and me and wanting to needing more gratitude, and then later on I said, "I think Muslims are right to pray five times a day." You suggested me writing in basically just a gratitude quickly five times a day, and I've done it. I've tried every day. I've done it two days. I got four in, way better. I got four. Like, I have it in my calendar now, 10, to 6, and 10. Just be grateful, and I yeah. just quickly... Can
1: you read some of the gratitudes for us? I don't...
0: They're in my... They're in a paper notebook. Okay. But right. it's... But that's great. Yeah, it it's very helpful. Yeah. It takes very little time. Of course, I go, like, I don't have time a lot of the time, but, like, as a North Star or aspiration, most of the journal is you're having... An incredible experience, an incredible human experience. Yeah.
1: By the way, we are all having an incredible totally human agree. experience, regardless of your profession yep. or your financial status. Yeah. We have consciousness. Are you here? We're here. We're opening our eyes. There's light. There's a breeze. There's songbirds. Fucking A, man.
0: Yeah. It's Yes. And I, well, I say that as like, I, and I don't focus too much on like the um, career things or the any possession things or any of that stuff it's like no this is a miracle experience and you are not the person having negative thoughts or sadness or depression or anger or envy or jealousy or any of that stuff you are the you neil brennan i guess is the body there's some nameless spirit that is happening inhabiting neil brennan and i am that spirit and I need, if Neil Brennan's experiencing something, I'm not Neil Brennan. I'm the person watching, or I'm the thing watching Neil Brennan yep. experience that yep. stuff. Yeah. And it's a real nice thing to remember every four That's hours. That's
1: great. And Eckhart totally talks about that. Michael Singer talks about that. Yeah. Uh, the, and, Untethered Soul. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and this whole idea that, uh, which I love, my favorite quote of all time is from. Father Teilhard de Chardin, who says, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Yes. And that's what I want to remind people of. And- by the way, you've heard of negative bias. Mm-hmm. So that's, again, that lives down in the amygdala. We are wired for negative bias. We're like,
0: wired to, for, we're always under attack because most human beings have been under some form of attack hundreds for of thousands of, years. of human history. Yeah, All millions of years. All human history until like right. 1978. So it's
1: like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm not going to get any food. The traffic going home is going to suck. Yep. This isn't going to work out. I'm going to miss that call. Yeah. Um, I wonder what that it's lump cold. is, et cetera, et cetera. So when you go to gratitude, you're just doing that same thing that I talked about. You are lifting your negative bias amygdala response yep. and you're lifting it up into the higher, more wise prefrontal cortex, and you have and you have gratitude and it's incredible superpower that allows you to rise above the anxious discontent.
0: Yeah. And it's stupid and simple and almost uh cost free. Other yep. than the yep. other than the notebook. But if you have a phone, you do it on your notes app notes app this episode brought to you by notes um all right this one's interesting satan yeah so this is the first
1: first first for satan yes yeah so in the baha'i faith there's no satan red-tailed uh demon with a pitchfork mm-hmm. etc so again this guy that i mentioned before abdul baha whose name means uh, the servant of glory he, that's his, his title. He came to America about a hundred years ago when he landed at America and he was like, oh, they called him the Persian prophet. And they were like, even though his father had started the religion there, because he was a wise dude and he had a big turban and a big beard. And yeah, forget so, it. And so <laughs> they, at the, he landed and he's, this reporter was like, this cub reporter was like, Hey, uh, Abdul Baha, do Baha'is believe in Satan? And Abdul Baha was like, yes, they do. And he's like, well, what is, what is Satan like to a Baha'i? What does Satan look like to a Baha'i? And Abdu'l-Baha said, Satan is the insistent self. So I just love that. And I think about that a lot because the insistent self for me shows up a lot and it's something for me to monitor. And it, and it really, it goes to what we've been talking about, which is those, those baser impulses. And it, it's not a healthy self. It's the insistent self, like, why didn't I get that? I want to put myself over that. I, I want this to happen It's For the me, hungry it's hippo
0: the- that lives inside of us all. Yeah, it's the yeah. same. It's what we're trying to eject from. I love
1: that so much. I can't even tell you because it goes hand in hand with the Buddhist idea of the hungry ghost.
0: Yeah, exactly. A hungry hippo, yep. and the hungry ghost. Yep. It's the same
1: thing. What happened in hungry hippos? You you hit a thing. You and hit it
0: like, and they, the hippo got the, gets the ball. Gets the ball. All right. And so that's. Kind of what we've been saying, which is the yeah. inner monologue, the engine, the yeah. whether it's capitalist. I remember a buddy of mine when we went to do ayahuasca, He goes, "Are we going to get to be capitalists after this?" <laughs> and it, yes, but you you don't believe in it quite as much, right? You have some perspective that right that you there are other opportunities for. Uh, uh, there's other ways to be. Mm -hmm. you you're still in us is uh, i believe it's it is a hungry hippo i believe it's a hungry it's uh, that's what our personalities are or or the thing that drives our yeah you know
1: we're wired to be hungry ghosts or hungry hippos yeah either either way either metaphor works
0: yeah yeah and and so this satan Satan is it's not, not, it's it's
1: not, not a being. It's not outside of myself. Yes. It is just my baser impulses, for lack of a better word. It's the hungry hippo inside of myself that needs monitoring on a
0: daily basis. And that's where the 12 step and the meditation that helps. and the. My
1: therapy helps. Therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do hypnosis with my therapist. He's also a hypnotist.
0: How often do you do it? I was doing it every week for several months. It's really cool. And do you cover different things? Do you go, let's talk about- You can, you can,
1: or you see what you're- I, By the way, I'm sounding like Gwyneth Paltrow now. This is the most goopy- When you
0: call him a hypnotist, it it sounds like- It's weird, right? It's. By like the way, I saw a magician- Hypnotherapist, hypnotherapist. My friend Derek Delgadio, who directed Blocks, and he also wrote his own show in and of itself, he is always embarrassed being a magician because that's, I guess, technically what he is. He's, yeah. And- <laughs> I saw I was in Thailand and there was a I was doing a show and there was a poster for another show by a magician and the magician's name was Tada <laughs> and I sent it to Derek like look I get it so when you call your therapist a hypnotist yeah. it sounds like it's the top r-rated hypnotist after ten thirty in Las Vegas <laughs> Tada um but yeah no well, a lot of the hypnotherapy is can be helped. I'd like it's, to reiterate. It's like,
1: it's like ayahuasca without the ayahuasca because mm-hmm. you're doing a similar journey. You're doing a journey. You don't have a drug to aid you, mm-hmm. but you're going in. Like we are yeah. all, we are like the iceberg that the Titanic hit. We're 10% above the surface. We think that's our lives, but we have a lot going on down in our yeah. subconscious. Yeah. And it's old fears, but it's also perceptions and wisdom and, and so it's integrating the two cuz sometimes i have felt like i'm just this talking head and i live from here up and i'm just like yeah, la, 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 la. and it um allows me through it's essentially just a guided meditation it just allows me a connection with the rest of the iceberg
0: and that would be your top thing dealing with that your satan it's helpful in that
1: in that journey yeah
0: yeah, I mean, it sounds like like most people's journey in life. It is you're just trying to quiet the inner monologue and the hungry hippo and the and the the. I the, wish to
1: hell I had gotten to it before my fifties. I really wasn't that happy before my fifties. Uh,
0: look, man, I almost don't think you. I often think where I okay so you're more spiritual than you I, you've always tried though that's the the sort of grace I'll give you even though it's what I'm saying is not very indicting sometimes I think when I go you know I'm less interested in showbiz than I've ever been right I'm less ambitious well Neil they're, they seem less interested in you as well <laughs> and I wonder if it isn't um, a little convenient Again, I, that's do you know what I mean? Sure. Like oh, absolutely. Like Hollywood is less interesting. People get religious late in life because it's like, well, yeah, of course. You're you are closer because, to death. Yeah, you need to do it
1: But we used we all worship something, right? So for me, I worshiped ambition and career for a big, big chunk of yeah. my life.
0: It is your it, it is your North Star. It's your it's it was, your God. It was my
1: higher power yeah. for a very long time. And yeah, the office is over. I do some really interesting projects and Got to be in some cool TV shows and movies and stuff since The Office. Um, but yeah, Hollywood is generally like uh, that Dwight guy. And that's the Dwight block, though. Could yeah, we segue, have a, we can have we segue a, to that? Yeah, let's go. Dwight, are you going to put the big graphics up?
0: We're going to ding it and it's going to come behind you. Maybe we'll put the head on as well.
1: And you can put his head, the head over mine?
0: No, it's going to come, come right. up. It's going to be okay, Dwight. It's going to come up behind you. but And then the head of Dwight. With the tie and everything. Okay, can we'll we put it right up here side. so
1: like I am throttling it?
0: No, no, you don't. It's it's moving target. Fuck. Okay, tell me about Dwight. So this, yeah, this segues into into
1: Dwight, which is you know the the number one question I get asked all the time is like. Are you going to be stereotyped as Dwight for your whole life? How do you feel about that? You know, what's it like being known as Dwight for my
0: whole life? But do, do people ask you that or just people in interviews? Do people at Target ask you that? Sometimes. I mean, not at Target, but at a,
1: a cocktail reception or right. I go okay. to a some, So like at work a fan thing, or
0: but t- fans t- don't.
1: No, but even like fans kind of like. You know, I had one I had one guy come up to me and goes like, you know, you can do whatever you want as an actor for the rest of your life. I'm only going to know you as Dwight. I'm sorry. I look at you. That's how I think of you. Yeah. And I was like, thanks. Fine. Asshole. <laughs> uh But, you know, and I always answer the same way. I'm like, I'm super grateful for yep. Dwight. Amazing et cetera, show. Et cetera. It's a great. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. So good. Yeah. So nice. Not- people adore the office. Yeah, it lives one on it's of one those of those great once in your life show yeah hit the lottery uh,
0: mm-hmm. open mm-hmm. so many doors mm. so
1: many doors but it you know it's it's also it's also tricky because and sometimes and I've gone through spouts where I've really resented being Dwight. yeah and you know I I went to theater school when you're taught like you play different roles like yeah. you go play Macbeth here and then you go do this play here and then you do you play this role, and then you're on Law and Order, and you play. Right, they tell you that. but two. It's true for two. one,
0: maybe one person in the class, probably not. And also, it's not true. How it's so? not true for fucking Anthony Hopkins. It's not true for sometimes he's in a fucking Hannibal Lecter, and then sometimes he's in a fucking dumb action movie with Rock. Yeah, Chris Rock and Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. A movie, you know <laughs> what I mean. Like, and, and
1: it's and no matter, he's gotten Oscar nominations for multiple movies. Yeah. But probably 9 out of people, 10 people that see him go, yeah, Clarice.
0: Which those people are right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's the most popular one, it's the funniest one. It's also the only anti-hero that's ever really worked in movies to the point where they franchised him. Think about that guy he goes, I'm going to eat more people. Yeah. Yeah. People. <laughs> yeah. I'm having an old friend for
1: dinner.
0: He's gonna eat us. <laughs> yeah. That's it's a powerful It's, yeah. it's, it's an yeah. amazing thing. That's true. That's that's good.
1: Um but uh yeah, so it's it, you know it's it's kind of a struggle because I still view myself as a character actor that can transform and I can play other roles. Yeah, And so part of me just wants to be a craftsman Yeah, where like, I'm in, I was on the Bill Mars podcast and he was like, come on, you got into showbiz cause you got into showbiz cause you wanted to get famous and you wanted to make money. It's like, no, I really didn't like. I love acting. I love playing characters. Do I want to buy a house and pay off my student loans? Fuck yeah! But I didn't come to L.A. Right?
0: Let me just call bullshit—a a small bullshit—real quick. He holds Are a people, joint in his right hand. No, <laughs> no people. Uh, whenever people go, "I want to be an actor," I go, "Great, go go to a class or call a friend, and you guys can workshop a scene, and you're satisfied." Wouldn't have satisfied you. True. What I'm saying is, the Bill's also I want, right. I wanted to make You're a- You're both right. I wanted to make a living right. as an actor. You spent part, the last hour telling me about The Hungry Hippo. Yes. I, I think you have to include it now in your aspirations. Are you trying to call me on something? No, no, but I don't, I think it's like- Yes, you, so it was, it,
1: there was always a dance between, I want to be an artist, I want to be get paid as an actor, I want to buy a house and play cool roles- but then there's that part, of the hungry hippo
0: part of me yeah, is like that. I think I you want have to, be, ah, to include ah, it. Ah. I meaning it can you can have sort of shallow aspirations, and in the long run realize that it's more than shallow. Yeah, and yeah. and they're both true. I don't think I wouldn't. I I have no. I I cast no. I didn't say on
1: that. no to fame when yeah. it
0: started to slap yeah. me around a little bit. I didn't yeah.
1: say no. Um, but I didn't get into acting to be famous, but there's a part of every actor that just wants to be right. I talked about wanting to be adored, right? Um, it's like that stone roses song. I want to be adored. You know it? I don't know. Can we get the rights to that? Nope. Play it a little bit.
0: Spoke to them. Can't get them. God we can do a uh, fair use. Two seconds.
1: Cause you're right. If actors don't just do it in a broom closet. Actors want an audience. Even yeah. if it's 50 seat theater down here in West Hollywood. Yeah. Um, you thrive on creating that character in front of someone or with people seeing you do it. So there is some ego attached to that, no question.
0: Yeah. So the downside is typecasting, talking about it, known as that. Buddy, my friend Trayvon Free had a text to me when we were talking about something and he goes, you could become president, Neil, get assassinated and the headline will say, Chappelle Ch- show co-creator <laughs> and president assassinated. I'm in, I'm, in a, true. I'm in a similar boat. It's true. How much pity do you have for me? Zippo. Right. Yeah. So what do you want us to feel about you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay. So the thing that I'm trying to include more in the podcast is it's a lot of sort of maybe belly aching or whatever. What I'm saying is the, what are the post traumatic growth things you've experienced instead of all of this like and then and not again that's the way the pocket's set up so it's basically my sure. fault but i'm saying you know there's got to be a road forward for people and what is it yeah i think you've mentioned a lot of them but yeah. but or 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 give me some anecdotes about things where you didn't think you were gonna be able to recover and you this thing that happened to you ended up being like a a stepping stone or building block for your self-esteem or your life? I
1: will say that the good news is that almost for every decade of my life, I have had periods of uh, incredible, what I would call anguish. So not like being a little bummed out, but being-
0: Inconsolable.
1: Inconsolable, hitting bottom at my wits end, miserable in to a degree that I didn't know how to get out of
0: it. And I've experienced that in my twenties and my thirties and my forties, not so much in my fifties. Was it the same thing every decade? No,
1: or? no, it was just different, different ways that this, I remember going to a, an AA meeting once and uh, there was this old guy and he would show up. And he had a deep, thick Southern accent and everyone would be like, hi, I'm, I'm Rain, I'm an alcoholic. Other people, oh, I'm an alcoholic. And then he was like, my name is Joe and I've got the spiritual disease. So, I've got the spiritual disease and, um, the insistent self, right. Um, the, uh, the Dwight, the the people pleasing, uh, the anxiety, uh, was always there, uh, eating away at me in a, in a different, uh, form. And I will say that I got through it and uh, I've worked really hard at it and studied a lot. I've prayed a lot. I've, been on my knees a lot. I've meditated a lot pretty much daily and uh a lot of therapy and you know i'm I'm better now than I was, so I'm actually uh happy been like these last ten years of like I've been really friggin
0: happy with less upkeep, meaning I'm just looking for convenience no, uh, and ease
1: uh, um no, it's, it's, it. unfortunately it's, it's regular 12 step meetings, yeah. regular therapy, daily meditation, keeping track of, you know, like, like, um, insulin, in, you yeah. know, keeping diabetes. My, my diabetes in check, yeah. which is my anxiety. Unfortunately, there is a kind of a dailiness and a weekliness to it, but you can, it's not that much. It's a couple hours. It adds up to a couple hours a week. Yeah. There's a lot of hours in a week. Yeah, It's 24 times seven which last time I
0: checked is... Incalculable. They can't, blah, blah, blah. they can't figure it out.
1: Number of hours. I have no idea.
0: 168, and, maybe.
1: And uh, you can spend an hour of those 168 talking to a therapist about, you know... Wait, we, 20
0: 20 four. <laughs> 24... 24 and 10 it's, would be 240. 240 times seven. It's more than what I said. It would be... No, and it's 24 no, times it, seven. No, I, what I said. 168.
1: Yeah, it's 168 hours. Spend one of those 168 hours in therapy, spend two of them in some kind of recovery meeting, spend another a, a, a total of 2 or 3% a total of those in some kind of prayer meditation, which you can also couple with being in nature and exercise. And you know, it's a handful of hours, 4 or 5 it's, hours a week.
0: Yes. Which is where are we at? It's around uh, f- let's say it's less than 5% of your week. You can make your life a lot better.
1: And then yeah. Once you're there, you can start trying to be of service to other people. Which you can just be of service to other people, and it makes yourself feel good. You can yeah. just start by doing it because it benefits you. Because when you're yeah,
0: self-interest again, self-interest.
1: Yeah. But and then hopefully maybe you can move out of that a little bit and really do it for truly, uh, um, uh, what's the word? Um,
0: connected, spiritual. Yeah, yeah, social. Um, Socialist, yeah,
1: true, true, egalitarian, true yeah, yeah, community, altruistic,
0: yes, motives, yes.
1: So, you can add that once you get yourself balanced, like you said, like just take care of yourself, like make yourself a little bit better, yeah, that's true. And then you can make the world just a little bit better, you can just a little bit, just put a little spice here and there, it doesn't have to be anything much, get your cul de sac together, have a barbecue. So, um. I would just say that, um, yeah, I'm grateful for uh, the work that I did and the guidance that I got. And um, and it is a little bit weird being a predominantly comedy actor in Hollywood who talks about God and spirituality a lot. It's a little bit strange. People probably get a little judgy with me. and But again, the okay.
0: only thing that I think is worthy of judginess is hypocrisy. Yes, and tell saying it like Cheringi, yeah, and also saying it like you've you've got it nailed down, right. and that you do it all the time. Right. This is a thing to aspire to. I struggle. I still struggle. And you probably will also. Uh, not even probably. You will also. It's not the phone. It's not food. It's Like not I said, now it's the sex. senior
1: citizen anxiety. It's a whole anxiety. It's like a whack a mole. Right. Yeah. There's no, the mole has popped up through a new hole. Called Senior Citizen
0: Anxiety. Now I gotta deal with that. And there'll be some other hole that Mr. Mole pops out of. I agree. Uh I really enjoyed this. And I did doesn't you I did your podcast, which is beginning soon. Correct? We're
1: launching it spring of twenty twenty four when we get around to it. Great. Thank you for coming called on. Called Soul it. Boom, right? Called Soul Boom. I
0: appreciate that. No, There's a book but I didn't called I was Soul afraid Boom. this was gonna be repetitive and it wasn't. I knew, I knew it wouldn't be. You knew, yeah. God bless, yeah. Um, I was, I didn't have. I wish I had your confidence.
1: Central creative force, creation bless. force. Sorry, central creation force.
0: And if you don't think it's cool, I got there from taking drugs, so it's pretty cool. You make it cool,
1: right? I got Funzy. there from reading
0: books. Wah, wah. <laughs> uh, great shit, man. Good talk. Thanks. Rainbows. Yeah, Brian. Done.